All right, Mr. Bedeker, thank you so much for coming on the show, Podmosh. Um, you're running for Johnson County Judge. Yes, sir. Yeah, how's that going? <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Is it really? Uh, sometimes. Still sometimes? <laughs> okay, so tell me what you're doing right now as your current occupation. Okay, so I am, I work at the Johnson County Attorney's Office as a prosecutor. Um, oh, I don't know. Yeah, I've been a, an attorney for the last 10 years here in Cleburne. Um, during that time, I worked in private practice first and did a little bit of everything that comes through the door. It's kind of what you do in a small law firm. Mm-hmm. And then for the last eight years, I've worked for the county. Uh, I prosecute a little bit of criminal stuff. I, I do... Uh, once a week, I do traffic court, which is always interesting. I always get to interact with the public. And then uh, the biggest part of what I do is providing legal research and guidance for commissioner's court, county judge, and other elected officials. So when they have questions about how they can proceed, what's allowed under the rules, a lot of that lands on my desk. Um, I've even got a couple of the uh, <clears throat> the elected officials that'll call me directly with, with questions about what they can do in the heat of the moment in my object is to try to give them some direction mm. what made you want to get into law you know i don't have any lawyers in the family it, it just um are you good at debate <laughs> yeah honestly uh public speaking is not my thing um I, at least it traditionally was not my thing i, I went through high school and thought i was going to go to med school that was my me, career me too. Path. <laughs> <laughs> i made that all the way to uh, orientation of college and figured out it was not my calling why? Uh, Just out of curiosity. Uh, you know, a combination of things. It, it wasn't. I liked science. I liked math. It, it was. It was two things that got to me. One was, I didn't think I'd really be a doctor until I was in my thirties because it's a long process, mm-hmm. and I didn't feel like that's what I was called to do. And and that really is the answer. That. I just, I had this moment where I realized that we're in this world and we've, I think we all have a calling. We have an obligation to make the world a little bit better place than it already is. And I thought that with my skill set and, and with where God had put me, that going into the law was the best way I could serve my community and, and maybe make a difference. Interesting. That more so than being a doctor. I think so. And, and I know that sounds weird because I think all doctors do great things and probably not all lawyers do great things, but but well, I felt like with, <laughs> but I felt like with, um, I just felt like I was in the right time and the right place to go into the law and make a difference. Now, why prosecution? So I've always had a passion for justice. Um, <laughs> my mom even jokes that I've got an older brother and, and she said anytime when we were kids, she'd accuse us of, of breaking the lamp or, or committing a house crime. <laughs> and, and if I'd, if I was guilty, I'd deny it because I was a kid and that's what we all did. But if I was innocent, I'd deny it and I'd be offended that I was charged, that I was, <laughs> that it was alleged that it was unjust. It was unright. <laughs> and, um, I know that's kind of silly, but no, it but, makes sense. It all goes back to our childhood. Well, absolutely. I, and, and I really do have a passion for making sure that we do the right thing and the right way. Mm. I think process is important. We can't cut corners and, and the ends don't justify the means we have to follow not just the law, but also common courtesy. We have to, we have to do things the right way or we're not going to have the impact that we want to have. Hmm. Interesting. So you are also uh, mayor pro tem. Is that right? That is right. What is that? <laughs> That's the question everybody asks. It's right. actually short for a longer Latin phrase and I'm not going to say it cause I'm a lawyer. I don't speak Latin. Um, <laughs> it's I'm on the city council. I'm an elected city councilman. I ran three years ago for single member district two. Um, Cleburne is divided into four districts. So we have four council members, one from each district and then a mayor that serves at large over the whole city. The mayor pro tem is 
a position my colleagues elected me to, to serve as the backup to the mayor. So when he has missed a couple of meetings over the last couple of years, I preside over those meetings. And if there are public events that, that he's been invited to, to participate in and can't make it, then I'll go give okay. a speech or, or stand in and, and do a proclamation, that sort of thing. Yeah. I, uh, uh, had a couple of podcasts with Mayor Kane. Um, seems like a really good guy. And he seems like really somebody who's really cool to just kind of work alongside. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I think Scott has given the city a lot of direction. He's, he's a visionary. And, mm -hmm. and when we sit down and talk, he and I, or the council, um, we talk not just five years or 10 years in the future. We're looking at what does Cleveland look like and what can it be 50 years from now? Mm. And I think unless you're looking at, at that kind of time frame, you're missing out on some of the opportunities that we've got. So why judge? So, <clears throat> excuse me, Johnson County judge, any County judge is a, probably the most unusual elected position that's available. Cause a lot um, of people think that you actually have to be like a presiding judge, right? That's kind of a misnomer. It's a little bit of a misnomer and it kind of depends on what County you're in. So the mm -hmm. smaller the County, the more time you spend being a judge. Um, you go to Somerville County and the county judge hears all the misdemeanor cases. Here's all the probate cases. He puts people in jail. He he is the judge. And then he also sits on the commissioner's court okay. in Johnson County. We're a midsize county. And that means that the county judge position is about 20 percent judicial. Um, our current county judge does mental commitments and administrative hearings, license hearings, that sort of thing. So he has a judicial role. The bulk of what he does is administrative. It's government administration. Uh, because of the, the unusual nature of that job, I feel like it really fits with my experience. So I'm the only attorney that's running. I'm also on city council. It's a combination of those two jobs. Um, I'm the only person that has experience, like I said, on the legal side and also on the government administration side. I feel like it's a, a fit for my skill set, my experience. What was, is like the, in your opinion, the definition of the county judge if you could give it a very just concise definition what is it <laughs> the shortest thing i can say it's three or four different hats that the person wears one of probably the most important is the ceo of the county or the mayor of the county and the presiding officer of the commissioner's court um, secondary to that is a judicial officer it's uh, that position is subject to the judicial commission on ethics and and that person is a sitting judge and depending on again the person that sits in the role in the county that you're in that the judicial part can grow or shrink. Um, there are also some direct administrative or, or supervisory parts to that role. So the county judge has a staff of uh, four people and then also sits with the commissioner's court over the um, all the non-elected officials in the county. So the county is a matrix style organization where you have all the elected officials are independent of one another. Your your elected prosecutor is not told what to do by your county judge or by your commissioner's court. Hmm. But they do go through the commissioner's court for budgeting and hiring and firing um, or management of those positions. So it's a, it requires a lot of cooperation between the different positions. It's a lot of collaboration. Nobody's going to come in and and bully the other elected officials because everybody's got their own sphere of influence. I want to be real with you. Um, I love that. I love learning about all this thing, all the, all the local things that really affect you know our daily life. I think, like I was telling uh, you, one of your competitors, Mister Golding, um, there is a lot of people who are only focusing on the federal politics of government, mm -hmm. and it affects us. Don't get me wrong, but not like local politics does. Not like your county, absolutely. Not like your city that you live in. And so I'm trying to like just 
kind of break open that door more so for the people um, like myself to understand what's really going on around them and to hope to get a different perspective on, on judges and uh, elected officials like the mayor, um, councilmen. Those are what's really going to affect your daily life more so than federal, in my opinion. Absolutely. You, you're standing on my soapbox. I, okay. I give that speech as, as frequently as I can to people on one-on-one or one-on-two basis that that in my life, I look around and a lot of times the only time I'm interacting with the federal government is when I file my taxes every mm-hmm. year. And in a good year, they send me a check and a bad year that I send them a check. And and that's it. Uh, and they do good work. Don't get me wrong. I drive on I-35 and that's a federal highway and, and the military is obviously worthy of respect. But in terms of the actual issues that we deal with, we interact with local government every day. If you live in the city of Cleburne, Cleburne provides you with drinking water. They provide you with wastewater services. They provide you with police, with fire. They pave your roads. That's that's everything that you're interacting with every day. In the county, it's a, a smaller scope of services, but it's still um, the ESD, the Emergency Service District. They provide dispatch for fire throughout the county. They provide um, support to all the volunteer fire departments. They provide the sheriff's office, which is the only law enforcement out outside the city limits within the county. Um, they're responsible for uh, Platting and development standards for new neighborhoods that are coming in outside the city limits. So drainage issues, road issues, roads are the big thing for the county. But there, there's all this stuff that we're all dealing with. Mm-hmm. And and if you look at the voter turnout in a big presidential election, you might get 50 or 60 percent of people to show up and vote. And a big contested local election, you might have five or 10 percent of people vote. That's and wild to me. It should be backward. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the opposite of what it should be. Five to ten percent. Jeez. If you um, if you have a problem, if you if you have a complaint or a compliment you want to pay to an elected official or a, a gov- about a government service, pick up the phone and try to call Joe Biden. You're not going to get an answer. <laughs> yeah. But you pick up your phone if if you've followed this campaign, the card, the business card I gave you, and mm-hmm. that I've been handing out throughout my campaign. It's got my cell phone number on it, and that's with me twenty four seven. I'm I'm reachable, and I think that's how local politics has to be. It has to be accountable and it has to be accessible. So why do you think that it's not? I think there's a few answers to that. I think certainly there are people who are not accessible, who don't want to be accessible. I don't think that's the norm around here. I think local politicians, at least the people I've worked with, mostly want to be open to the public. But there's a disconnect of it's kind of like when you're in school and the professor has office hours and nobody goes. Mm-hmm. There's there's being available and then there's reaching out to people and getting them to connect with you. It's, I think it's the same thing we talk about. Um, transparency is, mm-hmm. is an aspect of that. And so Texas operates under the Public Information Act and the Open Records Act and the Open uh, Meetings Act. So all of that together says anything that happens in the government, you can get copies of documents unless they're restricted for some reason. And you can see what happens. So on the city council, there's five of us that are members of the council. I can't sit down and have lunch with two other members because that constitutes a quorum. What? Yeah. So interesting. <laughs> so we don't, um, we're very rarely all in the same place at huh. one time. And if we are, we are not talking city business. We're talking baseball, football, and kids huh. educations because we can't talk about city business. So if, if you're at a baseball game and you're sitting next to two council members and you're just watching your kids game, that's a quorum. That's a quorum. What? And, and so the truth is, if we started talking about, hey, that wastewater treatment plant's coming along, we we could all go to jail for that. Whoa. We take it very seriously. And so in a small town like this, how does that work? <laughs> uh, we we don't congregate on purpose. And if we end up somewhere, 
you kind of develop this skill for not talking business. And wow. And one of the things that we've we've we're starting to get back into after COVID is having dinners together before the council meetings. And oh. so there will be four or five of us together for 20 minutes before we go out on the on the dais. And it is strictly enforced. There is not a word of business conducted back there. It is all about families and hmm. stresses of the, the day jobs. Yeah. Wow. As you know, or, or you may not know, but we're all volunteers on the city mm -hmm. council. We don't yeah. get paid a dime. We do get a free dinner twice a month, yeah. which is, <laughs> which is nice. But yeah, we, um, so we sit around and talk about the, the different places that our, our kids are and that we are in our lives. The, uh, the elected judge though is not, it's an elected position, but you also get paid a full salary, right? Yes. It so is a, a little different. Yes. It is a full-time job. So if I were elected, that's the only thing that I would do. It's kind of, uh, you know, I compared it to the being the mayor of the the county, and, and I think that's true. But in Cleburne, the mayor is a we have what's considered a weak mayor position. That's just kind of the form of government. And what that means is the mayor, um, I've heard Mayor Kane describe himself as a figurehead before. That's, mm. that's not quite right. He does get to vote and he has a lot of impact on policy and direction. But he is not operating the day to day operations of the city. Mm -hmm. The county judge does. He's a it's almost a combination between the mayor and the city manager mm. position. So it is okay. a 24 a seven on call position. If, if there's a new economic development incentive, the first phone call is usually to the County judge and then the commissioner of the precinct, wherever something's going to be built. And if there's an ice storm and a, a busted County road, the first two calls are the County judge and the commissioner of the precinct where the, the problem is. I'm going to ask you a hard question here. Um, I've heard from a few different people around the area about, these pockets of politicians that get together and kind of just run the show, the good old boy mentality that I scratch your back, you scratch my back. Um, you get elected, I get elected. You know, we all get together and elect each other. Um, Mr. Golding referenced some of this before in our podcast. Um, I know in some cities, I, I don't know. I can't know much about what's going around here, but I know in some cities I've, I've touched on with politics that does happen. And I've heard that from other sources. Um, do you see that happening? Um, is that happening from your perspective in this area? And if so, what do we do? So I think there's a few answers to that. Okay. I think, I think if you go back historically, I think Cleburne had some issues and, and there were a lot of handshake deals and there were a lot of, this person gets a little bit different treatment because of who they are and who their family is and the street that's named after them. And, and that, I think that happens everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it, it's really endemic in small towns that, that it, your name can carry a lot of weight in a small town if you're among the right circle of people. Mm -hmm. I I think the city of Cleburne has really done an incredible job of moving away from that over the last decade. And, and sometimes reputations take a long time to improve mm. or to change. Um, what's funny is, and, and I'll get back to answering your question, but, but we've had this conversation before, um, or I've had this com conversation before with other people that, in some ways, the reputation or, or the the view of how good of a place Johnson County is or how good of a place Cleburne is, is lower among people that were raised here than people that move here. People that come from the outside move in and they say, well, this is an incredible place. We love being here. That's it's, me. <laughs> I mean, I moved here a year and a half ago and we okay. love it. Yeah. And, and that's what I think some of us that were born and raised here need to open our eyes and see what a gem we have here. Mm -hmm. This is this is an incredible place. And a lot of times I think we hear when we hear negativity, it's from people that have been here a long time and, and maybe don't realize that the times are changing and, and that we're doing business in a different way. So how do we combat that? I, I, 
I think what has happened at the city of Cleburne and, and what I would hope to bring as a priority in the county is really professionalizing the way we do business. And I think that means that you treat everybody the same way when they come in the door. You have processes that will move efficiently and and that really cuts out a lot of this this innuendo or these handshakes or, or whatever else. You scratch my back, I scratch yeah, yours. Exactly. It seems like a, a human condition because it's like that seemingly everywhere, whether it's medicine, research, like uh, my pet peeve right now is in what I've uncovered a lot is with research journals and, and what articles get published mm-hmm. versus not get published is directly proportional to who you know typically in a lot of these big name journals. And so when you look at how medical policies and um, – procedures are being enacted in the medical field it starts with the research article whether it be a double blind peer-reviewed journal doesn't matter or an article doesn't matter it matters as who is accepting those mm-hmm. into the mainstream scientific community and a lot of times it's who you know and so we see that as a human from my perspective it seems like it's a human condition that regularly occurs whether it be local politics or research um, in medicine or whatever the case may be so I'm I'm curious. You talked about processes. Um, what processes can you maybe enact that would fight the human condition? <laughs> How do you say, that's kind of weird way sure, to say. Yeah, um, that's an easy question. How do we solve the human condition? <laughs> I'll get right. And on we that. both go to church. <laughs> <laughs> so I think you really come down to procedure. And I talked about you do the the right thing for the right reasons and do it in the right way. And uh, for example, one of the things that I I spearheaded when I got onto council was an issue with the way certificates of occupants, certificates of occupancy were issued. So under the old system, if you wanted to operate a business in the city limits of Cleburne, you had to have a CO issued. Um, It's a supposed to be a pretty brief process. You you fill out an application, you get a couple of inspections, you get your CO, and then you can conduct business. Well, my wife operates a small business in Cleburne, and when she opened her business, she um, she was using a rented building. Um, it had previously been used as a, a commercial building, so there was no change in use. She applied for a CO, and she was shut down for six weeks, uh, waiting on inspection after inspection after all these hmm. all these hoops she had to jump through. And I think anytime you have that kind of, it's really a bureaucratic buildup, then each step of the way is an opportunity to have a different result for people if they know who to call and who to talk to. And and that invites good old boy system kind of stuff. Interesting. And so we, um, I sat down with the director of development um, that that's over that department. And we kind of walked through the process about what was this absolutely essential? What could we cut out and what could we change? And the end result was we went from a paper form that needed about a dozen signatures at the bottom of it before your CO was issued to an electronic form mm. that could be sent to multiple people at the same time. And it cut our, our issue time down from 30 days to three or four days. Mm. It's still not, um, I think I've been told by entrepreneurs that in Fort Worth, they can get one same day and okay, <laughs> fantastic. Uh, we're not there today. High five. But, <laughs> right. Um, but it's something to strive toward. And, and I think that's exactly the kind of steps that we have to take throughout. So there are, um, you know, it, it's hard to, to globalize that because of all the different areas that, oh, the, yeah. that the county deals with, but we need a, a process to deal with everything. So for development, we have development standards. The county currently has um, subdivision rules and regulations that are adopted. And and what that means is 
we've got a checklist and if you meet our checklist, you should be approved. If you don't meet our checklist, you shouldn't be approved. That's, that's how processes prevent interference. Mm -hmm. Um, And especially, I I think the word for that is political, political interference, whether it's from politicians or other people that just have name recognition or anything Conflicts of interest are the biggest ones here. Yeah. And, and ultimately the word politic, you go back to the body politic, it's, it's about people and it's about personal influence. So I think that's really what, when you're talking about Mm. the human condition, that's, that's what we're talking about and how we deal with that is through process and through treating everybody the same. Is there a way to de-slime politics locally? (laughs) You know, slime, that's a, yeah, that's a great word. Um, what makes me sad through the process, um, is, there are a lot of talented, good people that I think want to be involved in politics and they see how ugly it is mm-hmm. and they turn tail and run. Yep. And, and there've been times in my life where I've looked at politics and thought, why would anybody do that? Why would you put yourself and your family through that? And, and ultimately, um, when I decided to run, my wife and I had a conversation and said, you know, we can either run away from politics and, and never have anything to do with it again, or we can jump in and try to change it. And, and I think that's, that's the decision. I don't think there's any shame in either one of those decisions. It's, it's not for everybody. Um, it's, (laughs) there are moments where it's fun, but it's, it's a lot, it's a lot of stress. It's a lot of work and it's a lot of scrutiny in your life. And ultimately we decided that we thought we were in a position where we could run and and make politics a little bit better from the inside. Hmm. Yeah. There's a a big consensus right now with, you know, my age group, our, I guess our age group, how old are you? <laughs> 34. 34, yeah. So I'm, I'm 27, so I'm not too far from behind you. Um, consensus with our age group that why would I ever try and talk to my politicians or the people who represent me? Because nothing ever changes. Mm-hmm. You know, whenever I, I have concern about, you know, housing prices or, you know, none of my uh, peers can get into a house right now because of the the housing market is just wild. Mm-hmm. Um so when you bring a situation like that to your local leaders, like, Hey, what do you do? And nothing ever changes. So why would I ever bring up or why would I ever get involved in politics in the first place? You know? Sure. What do we do? Well, I think the answer is not to abandon it. I think you have to stay in contact with your leaders, whether you want to run for office or just be involved. And, and there are, I don't think people, especially younger people realize the opportunities that there are to get involved. So if you want to be involved in the city level, and and we've already talked about local Mm -hmm. politics is Mm -hmm. where we're interacting with the government, but you can run for office and and sure you can dive in and do that. Um, There are also volunteer positions that have actual power to make changes with the policy in the town. And, and the city of Cleburne has boards and commissions people can serve on Um, one of the most I think most important ones for housing is the P and Z or planning and zoning commission. Mm-hmm. So you serve on P and Z, you get to see housing developments as they're coming into the city before anybody else. In fact, before council gets to see them, I, I don't, I'm not privy to the information until it's been through P and Z most of the time. Okay. And they get to look at the development and decide if, you know, here's what the developer's asking for. Here's their plat. Is this appropriate for what Cleveland wants to be? Yes or no, or yes, but you need to do these other things. And I think there's absolutely a need for younger voices uh, throughout those boards and commissions. The, you know, the park board obviously directs how the parks develop, uh, who are parks going to be used by it's people in their twenties and thirties. And then their kids as they, Mm -hmm. they plant their families here. 
What do you think the top three or four main issues are for the city, for the county of Johnson or Johnson County? So I think everything comes down to one issue and it's growth. We're going to have expansive growth over the next five, 10, 30 years. And it's coming whether we want it or not. I, I don't think we can stick our heads in the sand and say, no, we're going to preserve the way Johnson County is now forever. Instead, I think we have to be we have to be forward thinking and we have to engage with that growth to mm-hmm. make sure that it's sustainable, that it's providing the kind of housing and the kind of developments that we want to see. And we're, we're proud to, to have as part of our community. So I hear that buzzing. I'm trying to fix the buzz with the cable. Continue. <laughs> so, um, and that's a big part of it. So there's also the infrastructure planning that goes along with that is, um, what do we do with our roadways? What do we do about septic permits that are being issued at a rate higher than they've ever been issued? Where's all the waste going to go as, as septic systems are cleaned out? And we kind of, it's an inside joke among people that, um, that are involved in this stuff is nobody wants to talk about waste and wastewater, but that's really the, deal. yeah, that's the bread and butter for, for government. And oh, wait, waste and wastewater was the main issue for the cholera outbreak initially. And why, why public health is such a big deal. Um, having clean water is, is passive. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and there, you know, we take it for granted because we can go to any sink around here and, and pour yeah. water and drink and it's fantastic. Yeah. And, and that's not the case everywhere. It certainly has not been the case traditionally, but that is for the city. I think that's the biggest thing we do is wastewater and water for the County. It's a little different. The County has some regulatory authority over, um, digging wells and, um, installing septic plants, but, they don't operate a wastewater plant or a water treatment plant. So that's so, you, a, so your main goal here for if you were elected for Johnson County is to manage the growth in a healthy way. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's the the primary focus has to be addressing the growth and planning for the growth. And then everything else flows from that law enforcement. They become overwhelmed if we're not planned for if we don't plan appropriate for appropriately for growth and property taxes are obviously an issue, but once we're in a situation where we're having growth that we're not ready for, where taxes become a secondary issue, they flow from the growth. Ideally, if you've planned for it and engaged with growth, then growth can pay for itself. And, and I think that's the goal is as you see development spread, then government keeps up with that in an efficient way. And the tax rate comes down to offset that, those new expenses. So mm. growth pays for itself. And the, the citizens that have been here for four generations aren't paying more to to pay for new citizens to come in. Mm. I'm going to ask you a, a pointed question here. Um, me, Johnson County, live here. Uh, I see all these candidates. I see you, you look slick. You look nice. Um, you got your tie. You look like a typical politician. For me, I'm like, okay, why are you different? Like, why should I vote for you? Like, if I see Mr. Golding over here and I see, you know, a few of the other candidates, with, I think a couple of other candidates are coming on as well. Um, I'm going to ask me the same thing. Why you like, why are you so special that I should vote for you for Johnson County? And why are you different? Well, you know, I think it's funny. You say I look like a, a traditional politician. <laughs> I, I am a lawyer, so I, I dress. Like I know, a lawyer. I know, it's, I know. I, I really have never considered myself a, a politician. And I know that's um, one of my opponents has leveled the charge of career politician. <laughs> me, uh, my wife and I joke, I must be terrible at career politics. I've never made a dime doing it. It's yeah. But uh, so what's different. Um, and it's just because I know, I, I don't know you well. So like my first impressions, I'm like, he looks good. Like you look slick. <laughs> I appreciate that. Oh, yeah, man. But I, I'm, I'm just like, okay, why? You know? Sure. Um, 
I think it's time. Listen, Johnson County has built a strong foundation. We're we're currently a county that is fiscally conservative that supports our law enforcement. I think we're a good county and we have a, a lot of room to grow. But growth is coming, and I think I am uniquely situated to be able to guide the county through that process as county judge. What Cleburne has done for the last three years and really the last 10 years uh, is exactly what the county is going through. We have to mm. we have to modernize the way that we do business. We, we've got, you know, <laughs> you walk into our public works department and you've got paper forms and you've got slow turnaround times. And, and that's no insult to the people working there. We have great employees that are working very hard mm-hmm. trying to, that are doing their best, but we need to upgrade the way we do business. Um, when I talk to developers around the county, I, I get a lot of the same impression that we're we're in a good place now, but we're poised to either keep up and set the standard for how development should be handled for the next decade or over the next decade for the rest of our lives or to fall behind. And we mm-hmm. have to start moving immediately. And that means updating our procedures. That means you relying more on technology to get more efficient use of the county government. Amen. And <laughs> golly, that's like my biggest pet peeve. Like how can government be so be far behind our technology yep. advancements today? I yep. mean, if I see, if I go online, there's a paper form that I got to print out and fax. I won't do it. Absolutely. <laughs> like, come on, man. Well, and that's, again, that's a lot of these are the same things that the city of Cleburne has gone through. And, and I think yeah. my, my experience with Cleburne gives me a unique ability to hit the ground running. So um, in 2019, there was a change in the Texas legislature or by the Texas legislature that stopped cities from annexing in property against the property owner's will. So before 2019, a city could take in a piece of property and nobody could object to that. And then the city provides the services. They handle the platting. They're in charge of that piece of property. That is not how it works anymore. And what that means is the county is now seeing more platting, more development subdivision issues than it has ever seen before. Mm. And my experience with dealing with those issues, I think is going to be integral into, to helping form the policy as we move forward in those areas. So you're going to be kind of trying to update things in more of a tech savvy way, uh, make sure that it's easy um, to, for, as a citizen to do the things I need to do for the, for the County. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I talked a little bit about transparency earlier about what's required under the law. And I think the County does a great job of what's required, Mm. but I think there's more that we can do. And at some point the County has got to look at how do we reach people where they are and where they are is on Facebook and at home and reaching people electronically. Um, people may want to receive notice by mail. Mostly people want emails and phone calls and text messages. And again, the city of Cleburne has embraced some of that stuff. We've got a, a director of communications on staff that what he does is manage the Facebook page, write press releases. He, yeah. I've spoken with him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, Dustin, um, but we have a weekly, um, newsletter that comes out to people by email. If they sign up for it, we've got text alerts and email alerts for emergency situations. I, I think it's the same kind of thing that we need to, to modernize, I think is the big word. And the other one is professionalize. We need, we need to attract and retain employees that are the best in their field. Um, so much of what government does for me, it comes down to, we all believe in small government. We just want it to be done right. And that means the things that government has to do, like infrastructure, like law enforcement, we have to do an excellent job at those things. And I think we have to bring talent in from other places. We have to have, um, high caliber employees. We have to have efficient employees. We have to good, have good technology that we can rely on good, 
internal infrastructure for the, the county government to operate. And we should be setting the standard for those things. We should set the standard when people look at how roads are built and developed, we should be the best. When people look at law enforcement, we should be the best. Mm. And then we can stay out of the way of everybody else, stay out of the way of business, operating everything else. But we've got to be great at what we do. And I think that's that's what we need to bring into the, the county. And some of that's um, morale and, and mm -hmm. the spirit among the employees. So if, if growth is going to be your main platform initiative, uh, managing growth well, why should I care about growth? You should care about growth for a lot of reasons. Um, it's easy to say taxes because with the changing tax base, then your, your tax um, mm -hmm. bill is going to change. But growth impacts all of us in a lot of ways. Traffic is a big one. Um, one of my initiatives, I think we have to have a, a master thoroughfare plan, which is a, a written plan that designates all the major roadways in the, the county, how much right of way we need to take as those are developed out and helps us allocate funding to improve bottlenecks. So, so like Burleson, Wilshire <laughs> yeah. and Burleson. Yeah. Burleson has oh. some systemic issues. Oh that, my gosh. I know, cannot drive through there, man. It, I, I do everything I can to drive around Burleson. And it's that's, that and that's the thing. They, they channel traffic from the entire County into Tarrant County. And because of that, they've got traffic issues mm -hmm. that, I mean, we're all going to see, we all have seen throughout the Metroplex that once you have the traffic issue, you can't build your way out of it. Mm. You have to plan ahead. And I think that's, um, so that's, that's a big reason you care about growth is, is traffic mm -hmm. is congestion. Um, if you live, I, I know you're here in the city limits, mm -hmm. but for all the folks living out in the, the County, um, outside the city limits, they care a lot about quality of life and way of life. And if the uh, farm next to you suddenly becomes 400 houses, mm. that's a change in, in quality of life or a change of way of life. And so what would you do in that situation? Yeah. And that's the thing. Nobody can tell a landowner, no, you've got to stay a farm. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't work. Um, what you can do is work with developers to establish higher standards for development. So as things are built out, you're not looking at track houses or, or rows of houses that are mm. um, they're crammed in there and creating traffic problems. You're, you're at least mitigating the, the change from that. There will be change. I, I don't think we can get away from that, but we can make sure that at least it's sustainable change instead of a developer drops in a bunch of houses and then moves to another county and we deal with the mess for the next 50 years. Mm. So growth, that's, that's the biggest one. Traffic, um, why should I care about growth? Um, housing developments with farmers and making sure that relationship is healthy and with and the developers. What else? So as growth happens, um, I think we have to engage with and attract good businesses that are going to have jobs for people that are going to live here. We we have um, you said you didn't grow, grow up in Cleburne. I grew up in Cleburne, and, and I think even from the time I was a kid, there was this these two factions about whether Cleburne is a um, independence, freestanding small town, or whether it's a suburb bedroom community. And, mm -hmm. and I think the impression I get, and at least the way I've always felt is Cleburne is its own thing. It's, mm -hmm. we are not a suburb of Fort Worth. Obviously we're with the uh, Chisholm Trail Parkway. We're going to have people that treat Cleburne as a bedroom community mm -hmm. and, and work in the Metroplex and that's fine. But I don't think that's all we are. It seems more standalone. -y. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I think Cleburne has a feel to it. I think Johnson County has a feel to it. I think Johnson County is, it, it can't be Tarrant County South. And because yeah. of that, we've got to continue attracting good employers that will come here 
that where people can live and work in Johnson County and really engage in the community. And ultimately that's what we want as people, as population grows and, and there have been estimates that we may double in population over the next 10 years. Mm. If that happens, I don't think anybody can with a straight face tell you they're going to stop it. But what I hope we can do is direct that in such a way that it doesn't overwhelm us with traffic. It doesn't overwhelm our infrastructure and that we're bringing in people who want to be a part of this community. And, and I don't think that's out of reach. I think, you know, you've moved here, you're part of this community, mm -hmm. you're obviously engaged. And, and that's exactly what we want is people that are going to move here need to plug in and be Johnson County citizens. And I, I think that's great. All right. As we kind of wrap up, um, what are the final things you want to say to anybody listening to this? So I'll leave it with this. Um, you know, I think we've, we've got to talk about what Johnson County is today and what it looks like 50 years from now. Um, my grandparents live here. My parents live here. I live here. I'm raising two little boys, um, three and four years old. Oh. And we all, we all live here. So I, got I five and three year olds. So yeah, I feel that. Okay. Uh, You've got your hands full uh -huh. too then. And, and I feel like being the parent of young kids, I just, I, I really care about what this place looks like 50 years from now. I want my kids to grow up in a Johnson County that gives them the opportunities that I had when I grew up. I, um, you know, I, I don't come from a politically powerful family. I don't come from a family of lawyers. My parents were a, a teacher and a mailman and my grandma had to drop out of school to pick cotton and pay the bills. And, and that was all in Johnson County. That's, and because of that, I really feel like this community has given me an incredible opportunity to, I, I've been very blessed to be where I am. My parents valued education and they sent me to college and, and I've been able to, to do something with that. And I think for me at, at the time that I've been here, the American dream is alive and well in Johnson County. Mm -hmm. And I want to make sure that it stays that way. Yeah. We're seeing an explosion of housing prices and, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Some mm -hmm. of those are beyond the control of any government levers, but I think people need to keep, stop coming from California. Or <laughs> yeah, that, that may be part of it. Uh, I think people all, all over the world realize that this is a fantastic place to, to live and raise a family. A thousand percent. Yeah. And, and that's what we're seeing is people come in here from all over to raise their families. And anyway, I, I want to make sure that as I raise my kids here, they have the opportunities to have mobility and, and education and grow up in an environment that's, that's that gives them every opportunity to compete globally for a job whenever they get to that point. Cause mm -hmm. I think that's where we are. We're competing globally. Um, but also grounds them in, in a place where there are dairies 15 minutes from our house and where we can go to church right down the street mm -hmm. and where we know our neighbors and we have family nearby and, and yeah, that's a hard balance to achieve, but that's, that's what I want to see is that we, we manage our way through this growth in a way that maintains the character of who we've been. Well, it seems like you're just a dude who just cares about the city. Cause this is, this is your city. This has been, you know, you Absolutely. grew up here. You're born Absolutely. here, right? Yeah. I was born here. Um, I, like I said, there are four generations of us right now living in the city limits where, um, and, and throughout the County. Um, but this is, I feel like this is the place that I've been put and this is the opportunity I have to serve and give something back to the community that has, has incredibly blessed me throughout my life. Yeah, this is your home. You see that there's a potential for future problems and you're wanting to manage those problems well so that your kids don't get the 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 brunt of failed planning. Absolutely. That sound about right? Absolutely. Hmm. I like that. So, yes, you look like a 
politician. That's not a slight, but I, now that helps me understand having this conversation. That's also one of those things that uh, I, I get frustrated with with people whenever it's like, okay, you look like this, but tell me why you look like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, not enough people are uh, asking those questions. I just want to just sit down with Mr. Bedeker and hear his passions, hear his heart. Why is he running? It's typically a lot of times uh, people will have these conversations on whether it's media or forums, or town halls, and they just want to know the stance on, okay, do you believe mm-hmm. in abortion or do you believe Afghan? No, I want to know who you are. And I feel like I got a little bit of a chance to get a glimpse of who you are today. Um, and I think that's what a lot of people care about. I think at least our generation, they care more about who the person is and what they stand for, because if they can understand who the person is, they know that they'll be trustworthy to back up what they stand for. Absolutely. I appreciate that. And I appreciate what you're doing here. I, I think, I think you make a really great point and it goes back a lot to, you look back at our founding fathers and, and the design of government we have here is a representative form of government. And you look back at ancient Greece and it's the same thing. You were not electing mostly people on policies you were electing them because you trusted a person to make a decision and you wanted to know where they were coming from. Mm-hmm. And and that predates even party politics and anything else. When, if you go all the way back to the founding fathers and I want to get back to that absolutely. and we're not there right now. No, <laughs> you know, not at all. So, all right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, wish you the best of luck. When is early voting? All right. So election day is March 1st. March 1st. Early voting starts Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. That's right. So it's the perfect date night. You uh, go vote and then go on your date. And you know that you've there contributed you <laughs> something to the local economy and the local uh, government. So February 14th. February 14th. Okay, so yeah, the actual election day is March 1st. Yes, sir. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. All right. Thanks. Bye.